If you have primary school-aged kids or grandkids, make sure Vision Kids is part of their daily routine. Vision Kids! Vision Kids is a 24-7 online radio stream featuring the ever-popular Adventures in Odyssey. Hi, this is Chris. Welcome to Adventures in Odyssey. Plus other world-class radio dramas, kids' music and friendly voices. G'day, Vision Kids. Vision Kids is streaming now in the Vision app and online at visionkids.org.au. You can also tell your smart speakers to play Vision Kids Radio. If you don't already have the Vision app on your phone or tablet, you can download it for free when you search Vision Christian Media in your app store. Vision Kids. Another way we're helping the whole family look to God daily. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Foundations. The rabbis desperately wanting to ensure that none of the Jews in their congregation would ever fall into the trap of believing that Isaiah 53 is talking about Jesus, they simply secreted that particular passage away and didn't cover it. Foundations. Understanding the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. With Robbo Robinson and Mandy Warby. Over previous programs, we've begun learning about the end of Isaiah 52 and chapter 53 and how centuries ago the rabbis agreed to simply remove those portions from the study schedule in the synagogues because reading and studying them caused controversy and argument because they appeared to describe very accurately the death and treatment of Jesus. It's also been reinterpreted to imply that Israel is the suffering servant, not the Mashiach, the Messiah. Last time we began looking at the verses at the end of Isaiah 52, and how Jesus seems to fulfill them perfectly. And now, in this program, we're going to move into Isaiah 53, the forbidden chapter. I didn't mention it last time, and I should have, but uh, this is based on the research, not of myself, but of Dr. Itan Barr from the Ministry of One for Israel. It is so good. It's by Messianic Jewish believers wanting to reach primarily their own Jewish people. It's a fabulous ministry. So, yeah, we've been learning how the, the rabbis desperately wanting to ensure that none of the Jews in their congregation would ever fall into the trap of believing that Isaiah 53 is talking about Jesus. They simply secreted that particular passage away and didn't cover it. They didn't take it out of the Bible. Mm. They weren't discarding the Bible. They just didn't have it in their, their teaching schedule. But can I just say, Isaiah 53 is alive and well and kicking. It hasn't gone away at all. So, yeah, let's get started. Well, let's read the first two verses of Isaiah 53. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of parched ground. He had no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. Now, it's interesting the very start of that verse Who has believed our message? And we've been talking about the fact that the synagogue leaders have actually said, well, we don't want to even read this in the synagogue because of the potential of it pointing to Jesus. And yet here it is, the very beginning of the chapter, the the forbidden chapter. It says, who has believed our message? It's almost pointing to that reality. (laughs) And I hadn't actually noticed that before. But yeah, it's almost as if Isaiah opens this particular portion about the Mashiach, about the servant, preempting the fact that the very people he's trying to talk to are going to not believe it. Mm. And guess what? They don't believe they don't, it. Yeah. At this point, they don't believe it. So it's like they're fulfilled in their own prophecy while they're tucking it away in the inside pocket of their jackets. Yeah. It's amazing. The other thing, too, about this is Dr. Itan Barr kind of surprised me when he mentioned the fact that there's this reference in that first line about the arm of the Lord. 
And he says that the arm of the Lord is a reference to the Mashiach, specifically himself, which makes sense because this is an entire section about the Messiah. But I hadn't thought of this before. He said in Isaiah 40, it says that the arm of the Lord would rule for him, that is for God. And Isaiah 51, it actually says that the Gentiles would put their hope in the arm of the Lord. So there's two amazing verses Mm. there. Well, let's just read on those two verses. So it's Isaiah 40, verse 10. Behold, the Lord God will come with might, with his arm ruling for him. Behold, his reward is with them and his recompense before him. And then Isaiah 51, verse 5 says, My righteousness is near, my salvation has gone forth, and my arms will judge the peoples. The coastlands will wait for me, and for my arm they will wait expectantly. And here's... What's really interesting here, because he's talking about righteousness is near and my salvation, the Hebrew word for salvation is Yeshua. Mm. So if we read that again, it could say, my righteousness is near, my Yeshua has gone forth, and my arm will judge the peoples. The coastlands will wait for me, and for my arm they will wait expectantly. His name's right in the (laughs) verse. (laughs) Yeah, that's incredible. So Mashiach is the arm of the Lord. That was something that um, I was unexpected when I was reading this article, so it's good to go and maybe check that out yourself at a different time. Okay, so this passage goes on and says, For he grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of parched ground. Now, the truth is, when Jesus was born, it was at a time in Israel's history where they were in a spiritual desert. From the last prophet before Jesus arrived, so you're talking about the prophet of Malachi, from Malachi to Jesus is known as the silent years because God had just withdrawn from the people. The priests, even back in Malachi's day, they were corrupt, they were greedy, they were spiritually bankrupt, they Mm. were misdirecting the people. You get to, to Jesus' arrival and the priesthood is corrupt, the religious leaders were more interested in their piety and their long robes and their loud prayers in in public and the extra large phylacteries that they would wearing so that they would look spiritual. But Jesus, what did he call them? He said, you're like whitewashed tombs filled with dead men's bones. I mean, what an insult. Mm. So, so yes, this tender shoot of Mashiach, this servant, he he actually came up in in a time in Israel's history when she was spiritually a a dry bone desert, mm, yeah. and and then you know the people, not surprisingly, were so enamoured with him. Like, who is this man? Yeah, that's right. He's a He's like streams in the desert. Oh, that's right. He's the living water that's <laughs> coming to the water. parched ground yeah. and is starting to, uh, to make a difference. Well, let's move on to the end of that verse is, He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. Now, can I just say that most people are not even familiar with the fact that Jesus may not have been particularly handsome because if you look at any piece of artwork, mm-hmm. any representation in the media of Jesus, and can I just say they always make him absolutely gorgeous, mm, yeah. always. His hair is just perfectly rugged. His face is just perfectly tanned and symmetrical. His eyes are always just dreamy. Mm-hmm. They always present Jesus like that. Yet it says here that there was nothing about him that would be we would be even remotely attracted yeah, to that's him. that's right. So, so God actually made sure that his servant would not be swoon-worthy. Mm. He was not going to make the ladies flutter. He was not going to make the men jealous, mm. except the religious Pharisees, but that was for a <laughs> yeah. different reason. That was for his internal, Nobody was going to be following Jesus because he was so good-looking that he was a catch. Mm. 
that was not the reason. They flocked to him because of the words he spoke, because of the compassion that he had, because he healed their diseases, because he gave them comfort and compassion, because he taught them in a way that they were not used to from these greedy, self-righteous, self-seeking religious leaders and corrupt priests that were crushing them. So Jesus didn't look fantastic, not at all. In fact, if you passed him in the street, you'd probably not give him a second look or you'd probably go, huh, what guy? Yeah, that's right. He was nothing to look at, but he was everything else. He was this life, this water in the desert that they were longing for. Well, let's move on to verse 3 where it says, uh, He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and like one from whom men hid their face, he was despised and we didn't esteem him. So when you read the Gospels... What you discover is that the general populace were really drawn to Jesus. Okay, was we were just saying he was so utterly different from what they had experienced. They loved him. They flocked to him. But it was the religious leaders that despised him. They absolutely hated him. Now, we know they were jealous of him because he comes along and immediately the populace are following him and the populace wants nothing to do with them anymore. They've yeah. lost all their prestige, no matter how big the phylacteries. But here's the thing, when you've got a, um, like for example, when Australia sends a representative to the United Nations, they vote according to the leadership and the government, not the general populace. But whatever they vote, they vote representing the whole people. Mm. So while the populace loved Jesus, when the, the leaders rejected him, that was the sin of the nation. So that's why it says that, that he was despised and rejected and hated. And that, that's true. They tried to entrap him with clever questions. They tried all of that, Mm. failed miserably, and then their tactics changed. They made an unholy alliance with one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, and then they conspired and broke every single law that they themselves purported to uphold when they conspired to murder him. That's how much they hated and despised him. We're going to continue working our way through this forbidden chapter, Isaiah 53, and in the next program we'll pick it up at verse 5. That's next time on Foundations. This has been Foundations, a look at the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. For study notes, resources and more, see vision.org.au slash foundations. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 